0: pfm st paul hd2 and on Scorenorth.com. tcl is a proud sponsor of the score north studios tcl america's fastest growing tv brand
1: way back and gone touch them all
0: it's touch them all i can't tell you how much i enjoyed saying touch them all
1: it is. Touch them all on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makhlouf, along with Phil Mackey. You can uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, the all-new Score North. We made it real easy for you at SK. OR North. Plenty of of Twins and baseball to talk about this afternoon. You almost said Brewers. I almost did, including <laughs> Dan Hayes of The Athletic joining us at about 120 and a little reckless speculation surrounding Bryce Harper and Manny Machado before we get out of here at 2 o'clock. But, Phil, there were some uh, news and notes in the Twins world since we last convened on a uh, touch-em-all here on Score North on 1500. First of all, are you as a uh, I know you're as nerdy as me when it comes to baseball, but to the point where pitchers and catchers report are the four most beautiful words in the English language. Is that it makes me excited? It, yeah, it, yeah, it definitely. And
2: our guys makes we me should, all tingly. We should mention too: Derek Wetmore is in transit right now. Yes, and he will be. Uh, we will be living vicariously through him on on these touch em all episodes. We also launched. The debut episode on Friday from the golf show mm-hmm. It won't always be at the golf show, uh, because it was just like a one time thing, <laughs> It'll but be
1: once a year from the golf right.
2: show, <laughs> uh, Derek's five thoughts column that people have found for years on 1500 ESPN.com and now scorenorth.com is now in podcast form Ooh. every Friday. Oh, and all three of us are going to be part of that on a weekly basis too. So. Uh, He's he's in transit right now. Does he
1: expound on the thoughts, or is he like Judd where you ask him about the thoughts and he's like, just read the column? Yeah, the whole (laughs) podcast is... No, but
2: dude, I just want to know this little thing. Sorry, scorenorth.com?
1: Read the column. I spent four hours (laughs) writing the column. Just read the column. I don't want to rehash it with you.
2: Exactly. But the tease is, if you want to go back and either read the column, Cliff Notes version, or if you want to listen, the number 1 thing I think we would agree that we dove into is who really is the Twins' number 1 prospect.
1: And if you're looking for that episode of Touch. You can find all our team centric podcasts either at score north.com or wherever you download podcasts. you can just search Score North Twins, Score North Vikings, whatever it is that you might be looking for. And the Score North app now available on your iPhone. You're getting in, this in shameless plug thing down. I am. love it. I'm pretty good at that. Yep. I'm pretty good at that. But like I said, there was some some movement in the twins world this week. Nothing nothing major. No, they didn't sign Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. They did though sign Lucas Duda to a minor league contract. And this is a guy who, it was a rough 2018 season for Lucas Duda, but he's not that far removed from some success, Phil. In 2017, you'll remember he was kind of a hot commodity at the trade deadline when he went from the uh, the Mets to the Tampa Bay Rays. And in that season, or excuse me, the other way around, the Rays to the Mets, he put up 30 home runs and almost 70 RBIs. I mean, he's, he's a guy who not too long ago, had some success in the, at the plate at the major league level.
2: So here's what I think they're doing and he's not guaranteed anything. If he if he makes the team, it's a couple or 2 or 3 million dollars or what it's it's not you're not breaking the bank either way. So uh, I guess this does get their payroll around 100 million dollars. So it, as as we go through payroll watch, that's something to to look at. But I was digging into CJ Crones platoon splits, Lucas Duda's platoon splits. Did you know Lucas Duda in his career has like a 200-point gap between his performance against righties versus lefties. So he's a lefty bat. He's one of these classic sort of positionless. You can put him at first base if you need to. Lefty bat, uh, some strikeouts, and and that breed is dying in baseball right now. So it remains to be seen if a 33-year-old version of Lucas Duda can rekindle things here. But if they just used him in a platoon role, His career OPS against right-handed pitching is 839. So you're looking at a very, very good left-handed hitter against right-handed pitching. CJ Krohn's career OPS against left-handed pitching is just under 800. So could you combine those two guys into one player and have them take the 650 plate appearances at first base and hit 30 home runs combined maybe for you? I mean, that's optimistic, and I'm looking at Lucas Duda here and projecting best-case scenario uh, upon that projection. But I, I see the logic in what the Twins are doing, and there's really no downside to just bringing a, uh, bringing a guy to spring training, Rami.
1: Yeah, I like it. And I, I really I love that method, especially when, when you're in a market like the Twin Cities and like the Twins are operating in, of kicking the tires on everybody that you can kick the tires in. And, and even to the point where yeah you give them a minor league contract and bring them into camp to see what they got. not just sniffing around the free agent market and seeing and seeing what guys can help you, but like you said, the risk versus reward in bringing in a Lucas Duda is the 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 upside compared to whatever it might cost you, which is next to nothing mm-hmm. is absolutely one hundred percent worth it, and for a franchise like the twins to succeed, especially at this stage in in this thing that they're building for them to contend and succeed. At this stage of the franchise, you're going to have to catch lightning in a bottle with certain guys. It's not you're not going to have a roster full of guys one through twenty five who you know exactly what to expect from them. That's just not going to happen at this point for the Minnesota Twins. So, so for me, a guy like Lucas Duda and that scenario that you just laid out of him and CJ Crone platooning at first base, if if both those guys can reach their maximum potential, I think you have. A re- I mean, you have what could be a, a really good combo platoon over there at first base for the duration of the season it's also kind of funny that
2: and i don't know if they're doing this on purpose or if it's just coincidence but in their quest to replace joe mauer at first base now that joe mauer is retired they're they're grabbing these guys tyler austin was on the roster with joe mauer but tyler austin cj crone, lucas duda they're basically grabbing the anti joe mauer type players the guys who i guess you throw a glove on them at first base because you can't put them anywhere else mauer was the opposite he was a gold-glove caliber first baseman. Uh, these guys are all capable of or have hit 30 home runs in a season. Well, Joe Maurer was was lucky to hit nine, right? Except for the one season where he won the MVP award. These guys are all scraping to get to like a 315 on base percentage, maybe 320. Joe Maurer, perennially between 360 and 400 on base percentage. So if you wanted more power and you wanted more of a traditional first base profile, uh, you're getting that. I don't know if these guys are going to be total package better than even an aging Joe Maurer, uh, if they, if if any of these guys, Tyler Austin, CJ Krohn, Lucas Duda, if any of them were to perform up to their peak level of what they've done in previous years, you would for sure take that. And I think there's a good chance that one of these three guys is going to give you something serviceable for an entire season.
1: And in that same vein, and the odds are probably longer with this guy than they are with CJ Crone or Lucas Duda or some of those other names you just threw out there, Phil, but they also signed former Rockies catcher Willen Rosario yes. to a minor league deal. Had 28 homers uh, five years ago or so, and that was in Colorado, so you take that with a, a grain of salt with the thin air up there, and then went and uh, played his last few years in Japan and again this is a guy who obviously doesn't come in with high expectations but also doesn't come in with really a lot of risk attached to him in terms of the money that you're investing in him and maybe you again catch lightning in a bottle with Will and Rosario so he so he went
2: He's been out of the major leagues for three years. He mm-hmm. spent two of those years actually in the Korean baseball organization, oh, Korean. where they mostly okay. or they flip bats mostly. Right. You ever see those videos yes. where they hit warning track fly balls and they I do love like it. they flip their bat fifty feet in the air? I love it. It's the best. It's the best part of that game. And major league baseball needs to take some notes from the KBO. It's okay to celebrate once in a while. So Will and Rosario goes to no, the you KBO. Throw a baseball at somebody's ear. <laughs> throw a rock You'll in my happy. head. Exactly. Ninety miles an hour. That's the revenge. This dude went to the KBO and huge block of salt here. Not just a grain of salt, block of salt, okay? Because the Twins brought over uh, the the best power hitter in the KBO was at Byungho Park a couple of years ago uh-huh. and he could I mean, he could barely do anything against Major League Pitching and he hit 50 home runs a year in the KBO. So the best hitters in the KBO, the power guys, don't translate to Major League Pitching. It's just too much of a gap. So despite that, Willen Rosario goes over to the KBO in the middle of his baseball prime, ages, I want to say, 28, 27, 28, 28,
1: 29, somewhere in there. he was 27 when he went there.
2: Okay. Hits 30 home runs both seasons, drives in a total of, I want to say, 230 RBIs over the two seasons, and posts a collective OPS of 1,000. Thinking, whoa, okay, this guy found something. Then he goes to the Japanese Pacific League the next year, thinking, all right, let's go up a step, and then if we do well in Japan – Then we can go back to the major leagues still in our prime, right? right? And he was terrible in Japan last year. So if you would have just signed him from his two years in the KBO, you'd think, all right, this is a dude who's performed in the major leagues. He went to the KBO. He crushed it. Now he's back. But that weird, terrible season in Japan makes me nervous that he's just going to be around for two weeks and then they cut him.
1: If he can't handle the jump from the Korean baseball league to the (laughs) Japanese baseball league, I don't see how he handles the jump to the major leagues. But again, Maybe, just maybe, you catch lightning in a bottle and you have somebody who's serviceable at catcher in Will and Rosario. Or if nothing else, a guy who gives you some depth if, if he's willing to accept a minor league assignment, gives you some depth should you run into some some injury problems at the catcher position. Yeah, so, and he
2: might run into a fastball 12 times in the season sure. and hit a home run to yeah. left field at target field. Not a
1: move that's going to excite many Twins fans, but again, not a move that I think can potentially hurt them in any way it can only help these if, are the types of moves that traditionally twins fans
2: make fun of right oh it's another scrap heap signing but two things number one every team goes digging for the minor league contracts and the guys that you can bring back right the the cubs went digging for brian dunsing a few years ago mm-hmm. and he turned out to be a good pitcher for a couple of years mm-hmm. it, it happens uh the other name too that they they did bring in as a camp invite he's a non-roster guy but he's a name that Twins fans are really familiar with from 7 or 8 years ago when he broke in as a 21-year-old with the Royals bullpen, Tim Collins. That 5 foot 8, 5 foot 9 lefty who throws mid-90s, gets a bunch of strikeouts. So if you're wondering as the Royals bullpen developed into this monstrous World Series winning collective group and Tim Collins kind of faded out of that picture and he was one of the first young gunsling relievers uh, that Kansas City put together. You wonder, what happened to that guy? Well, he had two Tommy John surgeries that took him out of baseball from 2015 through 2017. He came back last year. It was his first full year after surgeries, and he wasn't a disaster. I want to say his ERA was in the 4.5 range or something. He, he just proved that he could stay on a mound and be healthy. And the Twins are taking a flyer on him. He's not even 30 years old yet because he broke into the big leagues when he was 21. And again, non-roster guy, lefty, but a good, buy-low, potential high-upside signing on a dude who was a big-time strikeout reliever for good Royals bullpens
1: not that long ago. I love those types of moves. I shouldn't say love. I like those types of moves. Yeah, I love moves that, you know, Bryce Harper I love. Manny Machado I would love. (laughs) I like moves like that. Uh, A move that Twins fans would love, but didn't happen. Ken Rosenthal uh, reporting that the Twins were in the mix on JT Realmuto, the uh, catcher who the Phillies just acquired from the uh, Miami Marlins, and they gave up a mediocre catcher, their top-pitching prospect, and an A-ball pitcher who wasn't even a top-ten prospect in return for, I would say, a top-five catcher in this league, and JT Realmuto. That's, even though it's just probably two years that you'd have that guy that's a package. I think I'm I'm willing to give up for for JT Real Muto. If the Twins had anything comparable or even a little bit better to outbid what the Phillies did, that's a move I would have liked to see him make so, and, and plug a hole at catch. I
2: would be so curious what Rosenthal means by "in the mix." That they were okay. Were they in the mix? Does that mean that they made a phone call about Real Muto? Does it mean that they made an offer right on Real Muto? Uh, to the to what I can put together here, if we're trying to put together a comparable package to what the Phillies wound up giving up. So, all right, a mediocre catcher. um, I don't know. Like, would that be Jason Castro or maybe it would just, just a guy at catcher that they gave up. Okay. That's easy. Uh, A decent young A ball pitcher. Okay. You can find a million of those in any system. And really the, the key piece to the puzzle was also one of the best names in baseball. Sixto Sanchez is the best prospect in the Phillies organization. And uh, I want to say he's high a, and around 20 or 21 years old. And he is the main piece that the Marlins acquired for Real Muto. The Twins' equivalent would probably be Gratterall, Bruzdar Gratterall, who is a 19-year-old, high-A, big-time strikeout starting pitcher for the Twins. Essentially, would you give up a 20-year-old strikeout starting pitcher who's likely going to be one of your, if he stays healthy, one of your best Major League starting pitchers at some point, For two years of JT Real Muto. I say if it was three or more years of Real Muto I'm in, I don't know if you're going to do enough damage in the next two years to make that trade make sense. You don't know if that's that's the right window to acquire him in? I feel like two years of Real Muto, you're not going to win the World Series even if you get Real Muto this year. True. Sorry, can you win a World Series next year or did you just give up a top, top starting pitcher that you could have for six years because he jumped the gun too early to get to the wildcard game. Right? And you
1: never you never know if, but I I I don't think the market would be such that with, with Real Muto that the Twins wouldn't be able to resign him and keep him in a Twins uniform. You don't know that for sure, and he's likely not willing to, to, to open those discussions as soon as the plane lands in Minnesota. A guy of his stature probably, especially since he's played to this point in his first major league contract, probably wants to get to free agency and test those waters and see what's out there, but... Yeah. He's a guy who I think it, the, the Twins could afford to, to re-sign or extend at some point. So here's
2: what I would do, okay? I, so I, I think this type of trade is what the Twins have to do at some point, mm-hmm. that you have to just swallow hard for the first time in franchise history and say, you know what, this top pitching prospect that we all, we're all we all thinking in terms of if he reaches his peak potential, he could be this. He could be Johan Santana. But there's also a pretty fair percentage chance that he doesn't reach his peak potential. Kyle Gibson was a first round pick and a guy who, when he was going through the low levels of the minor leagues, you thought this dude is going to be a number two starter for the twins for the next decade. Well, he had a Tommy John surgery in there, which half of all pitchers undergo that surgery anyways. Um, and he never became that starting pick. Now he's been a quality starter for the last couple of years, but you, when, when you're thinking about the graderals of the world, You also have to think about their Kyle Gibson scenario that, you know what, just because he's lighting it up at age 19, 20 in the minor leagues or in college and you draft him in the first round, doesn't mean that he's going to reach his hundredth percentile as a pitcher. So I would look to trade a guy like him if you were in contention, either this summer in July, or if you thought your team was ready to pop maybe next winter, I would be looking to trade dudes like this for established top starting pitchers. Uh, middle-of-the-order bat-type guys that you thought could get you over the hump and and maybe have a chance to win a series against the Astros or the Red Sox or somebody.
1: If you want to get in on Touch-Em-All, talk some Twins, 651-646-8255. Dan in St. Paul, dial that. Now he's on Touch-Em-All. What's up, Dan? Hey, Dan.
0: Hey, guys. Appreciate you taking my call. Sure. Um, I was kind of on hold for a while, so my thoughts have transitioned to uh, making fun of you guys for uh, taking too much time to discuss. With Lucas We're like, we,
2: we, we just spent like three minutes on Tim Collins, <laughs> right, for God's right. sakes. We're starving. Starving <laughs> for one. Twins <laughs> News.
0: I am a huge baseball nerd, so I appreciate that, but it's actually laughable if we think that these guys are going to like contribute at all. I think, Carl, I think honestly, Carl Pavano, over a decade ago, was probably the last dude who was like by low and succeeded on any sort of level. And that only wound up compounding the problem. When then we signed him to a, a big deal, and he wound up going back to being... Carl Pavano, and more notable for hating Alyssa Milano than anything in baseball.
1: I mean, so, that's pretty notable, though. It is.
0: It is. I Definitely mean, something you don't pay nine million dollars a year for three or four years for. If it
1: brings well, Alyssa Milano around Target yeah, Field, you've, right. it you, might it might be worth it.
2: You pay eight eight and a half million a year to Carl just for Alyssa Milano to show up in the Legends Club. A couple. I don't times. know about you
1: guys. That was my <laughs> first crush growing
0: up right. as a oh, kid. Wow, so, right. Yeah.
1: So
2: yeah.
0: Right. But so all all I really wanted to say was that uh, I get kind of tired of. Uh, the conversation that Sad Levine even acknowledged with uh, oh, "We're not going to sign any free agents until we're quote unquote ready to, you know, beat down that door or contend." And it's like, at some point, you're never going to. How do you even know you're going to contend? You know, and and that's kind of a, a, a false, you know, whatever. You're just, you're just expecting that in a few years, you know, we're going to be ready to contend when Buxton and Snow. I hate to say it, in two or three years, might not even be with the organization a la Carlos Gomez a few years ago. So if you're really passing up on, I, I don't, for one, believe that they were in on JT Real Mujo. I think that's a joke. But if they were and they couldn't have offered up something similar to bring him away from a division rival, you know, that they wound up trading him to, uh, I, I just, you know, I, I just think, like, no no Twins prospects ever reach their potential. It's been so long that, like, I couldn't care less if we start peddling some of these potential prospects for established major leaguers. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But, you know, look at Tyler Jay and just all these other dudes. Like, Who have we drafted in the first round outside of Barrios in the last decade who's actually panned out? So thanks, guys. Uh Good talking to you again, Phil, man.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Dan's always an awesome caller when he calls in here. And and so there's a lot of things to to take from Dan's call. I want to focus on one specific thing. And then we're going to get to Dan Hayes from The Athletic to take us inside and behind the scenes of the Twins new manager, Rocco Baldelli. But his point about Twins prospects never panning out, it's hyperbole. But you have to think about it more that way. When you're a team on the verge of contention, you can't think that Oh my God, prospects 1 through 10 in our organization are all gems and they're all going to pan out. I think you have to look at it. Go, I mean, you can go back and pull up any top prospect report from years past. I just pulled one up from Fan Sided here. A Twins Top 10 Prospect list from 2004. Okay, Now at the time, I remember... Following very closely all of these prospects, and Joe Mauer was still on this list because it was before the 2004 season, mm-hmm. and Joe Mauer obviously panned out. Justin Morneau was number two on that list. He obviously panned out. But if you were to look back at this top ten list, at the time thinking, man, all these guys have so much potential, like the number three guy on this list, who you've probably never heard of, Matt Moses, was a third-base prospect for the Twins that How was supposed to be a franchise third baseman. Matty Moe. Matty Moe. <laughs> Matty Mo ain't going to work here no more, No, is what they were saying a couple years later. Number four on that list was J.D. The Real Deal Durbin. Of course. And yes, I think he nicknamed himself The, the Real, Real Deal, Deal at one point. J.T. Real Muto should take that nickname. The, the, Real, Real, the Real, Real, Real Deal? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that? Number five was Jesse Crane, who became a solid reliever, but you would never have thought Now, looking back, you would never have withheld Jesse Crane from a trade to get, you know, Alfonso Soriano at the time, although the Twins may have done that. Number six, Jason Bartlett. He was viewed as the shortstop of the future, maybe a multi-time all-star. He became a league average shortstop. Right. You would have clearly traded Jason Bartlett for a piece to help you at the deadline in July for some of those division-winning teams if you knew that he wasn't going to be a stud. Denard Spam was on this list. Jason Kubel. Like, none of these guys. Grant Balfour. Michael Restovich did nothing. So Hey yeah. Jason Jason Bartlett did make an all-star team. It was, okay, with, the, he, it was with the Rays, but it fair wasn't enough. Done. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Baseball is loose all star rules. Everyone has to have somebody. <laughs> <laughs> So so anyways, like when the time is right, whether it whether it was for JT Realmuto or whether it comes this July, don't be afraid to pull the trigger. Even if you're looking and say, Oh, that's our best pitching prospect. If you're in a position, you're in a position. That's why you have a cabinet of twenty really good prospects so that you can deal five of them and not blink. And the Twins, I think, are in that position. You're compiling assets right now.
1: More than than you're really looking at any one player to be the next guy who steps up and is the next great thing at the major league level. You're compiling assets right now. Some of them will be assets that you use and are players for you. Some of them will be assets that are, are sent elsewhere to acquire more valuable assets that help put you over the top when the time comes to contend. But right now, it's the compiling assets phase of the Twins' build. We'll hit a quick break. We'll talk about some of those assets that they've compiled. And did you realize that Rocco Baldelli was a folk hero in high school? Not until I read Dan Hayes' piece on The Athletic. And Dan Hayes of The Athletic will join us to talk some Twins right after this on Touch Em All on the all-new Score North on 1500 and
0: scorenorth.com. This feels right. Let's pursue this further. Score North minnesota sports anytime anywhere score north
1: it is touch all on the all-news score north on 1500 score north.com i'm Robbie mackloff along with phil Mackey. like it when you follow us on twitter instagram youtube facebook twitch we made it real easy for you it's at s-k-o-r north joining us Right now on the show, you can find his work covering those twins at TheAthletic.com. And a really, really fine piece on Rocco Baldelli went up this morning. He is Dan Hayes. Dan, how are you this afternoon? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I didn't realize until reading your piece today just how phenomenal an athlete Rocco Baldelli was going back to his high school days. I mean, it sounds like he's just one of those guys who could have succeeded in whatever athletic field he chose. Had a a volleyball scholarship, could touch the back, the top of the backboard. Obviously, an all world baseball player. Did you know that he was this type of guy before you started writing this story?
3: Uh, it took a little bit of research, and and the the Bill Belichick quote, the Peter Gammons yeah. the story that was, I mean, Belichick calls his friends with the Cleveland Browns at the time and says, this is the best athlete I've ever seen in any draft. And granted, this is Bill Belichick 20 years ago. Uh, Bill Belichick right now, that guy gets drafted at like minus one. Like teams are trading up and giving up like nine picks, you know, and obviously baseball, you can't do that. But I mean, it was impressive to find out all that stuff. And, and you know, you sometimes you think maybe people are blowing smoke a little bit, but then you find out that, that high school's had 10 professional athletes. He was the first one. Um, you know, he won six state titles uh, as part of the the school there, including indoor track where he had never done it before, didn't know how to use the starting blocks, wins a 55-meter dash, wins a state relay in the 100. I mean, just across the board, it was impressive. And, and what I found was even more impressive was, and I didn't get to get into it very much, was the, uh, the student portion, like at 1280 on the SATs, Four two five GPA. He he missed the whole year with a broken leg at age thirteen, and read SAT books for part of the year, knowing he would need to be ready for that down the road. And I mean, it, he's a very impressive individual, and you wouldn't really know it from talking to him. You you get the sense, but he's not the guy that kind of really tells you that he's this guy. He just is it, and and he has plenty of people around you to, around that are are proud of him to tell for him. So. It's uh, It was fun to work on this story for sure. To
2: what degree, Dan, do you think he regrets or, I don't know what the word is, If it, to what degree does he look back at what could have been this incredible athletic career and lament the injuries and in the roadblocks?
3: I, I mean, there has to be a lot of frustration in it. You saw, I, when I was doing the story, and, and another thing I didn't get into was the year in Boston. You know, where he's from, Windsocket, Rhode Island is about, an hour drive from, from Fenway Park. And so he was making his friends and his family happy. Um, just knowing what it meant to them, he went there for a year in 2009. And at one point, reporters kept asking him stuff, and he, he just said he wished he could hold up a sign to say, I'm feeling good, guys. You know, I mean, by that point, he's 28, and he's been through it for about six years at that, you know, of of not being able to stay on the field despite all the work. and a great athlete, and. Keeps himself in good shape, and just I, I imagine there's a, a little bit, but I think at the same time he's the kind of guy that has been able to get over it. Um, he he seems very content with the way things have gone, and you know he didn't mean to get this job. He didn't. He wasn't really looking out for being a manager, but it just happened to him. Um, and and he's put in the work to get here the last eight years. I think that you know he's just content. I, I think he's one of those kind of roll with it guys and obviously that's that's a really good thing for a baseball clubhouse to have someone who can just be even keel and and i I think you know it's probably helped him a lot get through this because when you're talking about a guy that was getting comparisons probably very unfairly to joe dimaggio early on i mean that's a that's a big weight to throw on you and he, he was a 10 win player over his career he had a lot of great moments when he was able to stay on the field and uh you know James Shields said it he probably would be still playing and probably would be a Hall of famer, um but I don't think he looks at it that much. I think he's been ready to move on from that for a long time and is just kind of. Put himself into, invested himself into his work, and and we've seen that now the last eight years.
1: Talking with Dan Hayes of the Athletic here on Touch 'Em All, and and as much as it it looked like he was born to be an athlete early on in his life, it sounds like, and and this is probably more important in terms of the the purposes of Twins fans, he maybe was also born to to be a major league baseball manager, and and he's a guy who people were always sort of drawn to, again, going all the way back to his high school days as an athlete. He wasn't one of these high school athletes who has the world in the palm of his hands and acts like it. He's always been a guy who sort of mentored people and, and like I said, just has this magnetic personality that people tend to react to, that it factor, if you will.
3: Absolutely. Um, when when I went to Georgia a couple of weeks ago and uh told byron buxton about it like i was like hey you know you might have a challenger for biggest athlete or best athlete and you know i mean but you would never know it i think that that is helpful and the other part that i think is really going to help him as a manager and relating to players is at the start of his career he was a star everybody was drawn to him at the end he was going through everything to get on the field couldn't stay on the field he was essentially failing at that point. Um, he experienced both ends of the spectrum. And I think as far as being able to relate to players when they're going well, when they're going through terrible years, he's going to be able to do that. He can talk to uh, people. And, I, you know, that's one thing that we always see. We never see stars make great – or rarely, I should say, do we see stars make great coaches. They're just so good at things that they – especially hitting coaches. You look at it and you wonder how can somebody like um, Barry Bonds – be a perfect hitter the way he was and then watch guys struggle and you know it's just things that he could do uh, by by uh nature that he was able to do and and yet guys are working hard and they struggle and they can't do things that he can do and you just wonder how that how frustrating that is I, I talked to Tony Gwynn about that when I was in San Diego a lot how How much patience you have to have, and I think the fact that Rocco has gone through both ends really will help him with players and relating with guys and and that's really important, given how young this club is and how inexperienced and what they're going through right now.
2: uh Dan Hayes from the athletic. if you want to read the full piece, just go to the athletic dot com you can click on the MLb tab and and the the twins page will pop right up there for you and it's the the featured story right now um I just I, I i feel like he is the perfect at least idea of a modern baseball manager for all the reasons you just listed. How can the Twins be sure that he's not just the perfect on paper version, and and can can put this all into practice?
3: Absolutely, and and that's the the part that I think is look going in. He sounds amazing, right? He can relate to everybody. He can really kind of. He, he he can empathize all the things you want in your manager, but will it t- turn out on the field? I mean, we're we're talking about managing a ball club and managing games. But I do think that one thing he has kind he's got some good experience there because the last four years he was on the bench uh, in between innings with his his former manager from Single A, Charlie uh, Montoyo, who's now the Blue Jays manager. And he Charlie was a eighteen year long manager in the minor leagues. So if Rocco had a question about a play that happened in between innings or when they were on the field at first and third base, he'd go and ask him and they basically would break down the game. And then last year, you know, he's on the bench next to him. Uh, Montoyo became the bench coach. Rocco became the major league field coordinator. So they were both stationed on the bench the entire time with Kevin Cash. And I think he has a sense for the speed of the game. I think he's done some of the managing stuff. The twins will have to Obviously, put some stuff in place. I mean, that that's how you help your young manager. Um, I know, you know, who to face and who not to. But you know, a lot like as far as the bullpen goes, who what what pitchers can face and who they shouldn't. And, but I think a lot of teams already have that kind of system in place. You have a binder that says, "Hey, this guy will not face this guy." Have somebody else up and ready. You know, it's just going to be learning and and repetition going through it. And I, I think he expects to make mistakes early on, but I think he also has a pretty good sense for how it should go and. It'll kind of be a learning cor- uh, curve for him. But, it, you know, you've got a guy who's actually pretty well-prepared as much as you can be without having that much experience.
2: Yeah, Dan, I know that, you, that Byron Buxton told you uh, he felt a very, very good vibe with with Rocco Baldelli just based on their meeting in December. So what percentage of – if Byron Buxton's going to break out – and l- let's put Miguel Sano and I know they're different human beings, but if Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton are going to live up to their potential – what percentage of it is on those guys as individuals to figure it out, and what percentage of it can Rocco Baldelli tangibly help with?
3: I, you know, I think it's like eighty percent on the player. I mean, I think it always is. I think creating the environment for that player is is tangible. I think that that's having the place where they feel comfortable. Um, and and I, you know, what talking to to both guys, they both love Paul Malter. i I don't think that was any kind of a issue there buxton said that was the first guy he worked with with the twins and and said it was hard to see to see molly fired in october but at the same time i think there's going to be a little bit of a sense of ease and looseness in this clubhouse and you know around young guys that's never a terrible thing uh there's a lot of fun guys in that that group and you can just see it with eddie rosario who can be the most serious and one of the best players the twins have, but at the same time, he likes to be relaxed. It, you just, it, it is very evident by his personality. Um, Miguel Sano is a very easygoing guy. Uh, Byron Buxton looks like he likes to have a lot of fun. I didn't get to see him for more than those 28 games last year, so I can't say for certainty. But, but you know, I don't think that that's a bad thing as far as environment. Still, it comes down to the players, and the players need to make – uh make up for it and do it. And, and really that's what it comes down to um, is is them putting it together on the field, but having a good environment won't hurt.
1: Who is the most intriguing guy that the twins brought in this off season to you?
3: Uh, you know, I think Johnson's scope more so than, and I love Nelson Cruz and I think he's going to be a huge benefit to them. He's going to hit 30 home runs in the middle of the lineup. Um He's going to take a lot of pressure off the the Sano's and the Rosario's as far as that. He can be a great learning, uh, kind of a teacher, if you will, for them. But at the same time, Scope has so much potential. He's a really good defender, really strong arm, and he had a terrible year last year. Um, if he likes it here, that's a guy that, you know, he's still t- going to be 28 next year and somebody you might want to keep around if he hits 30, 32 home runs, and and plays the defense he can play. He's never going to be an on-base guy. He's got to strike out a ton. But if you can get 30 home runs and good defense out of your second baseman, I, I think you would take that. And, and so that's the guy to me who's the most uh, intriguing, I think, at this point. Are you in Florida right now? Uh, no, I'm at the airport uh, waiting to go to Florida. So. I'm uh, I'm I'm ready.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, saw, would,
2: I, saw, I would be too. I saw Lavelle, Lavelle was ready at the bar in Fort Myers somewhere last
3: night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I, I think Lavelle's wise and getting down there four days ahead of time. Um, I'll be there early, and uh, it's fine with me. to Wait, this is the thirteenth year. The, the weather sucks, but at the same time, being home as much as you can helps. So. Yeah.
1: Well, Dan, enjoy, enjoy the warm weather and uh, spring training. I, I encourage anybody who hasn't checked it out, from Socket Rocket to Minnesota manager, Rocco Baldelli's Baseball Life. It's up at TheAthletic.com right now in the twin section, and uh, find all his fine work. There he is, Dan Hayes. Dan, I'm sure we'll be talking again soon.
3: All right, guys. Thanks for having me. See you, Dan.
1: That's Dan Hayes of The Athletic.
2: Uh, quick question off the, the Jonathan Scope thing. So you, yeah. I, he played 46 games with the Brewers after that trade last year. Mm-hmm. And you, Rami Maklov, have been doing, uh, until you joined us a month ago, you've been doing radio and Brewers coverage for yeah. a long time in Milwaukee. So the numbers look putrid for him in Milwaukee. He hit 202. He had a 246 on base percentage, only four home runs in 46 games. His Baltimore numbers before that weren't a whole lot better. So what did you see from him just watching him from your perspective in Milwaukee? And what makes you think that he could be
1: a bounce back breakout guy? He looked like a guy who was completely lost when he got to Milwaukee. And it seemed to only get worse. And I don't need to tell you this, Phil. I think confidence more than any other sport plays a role in your success or failure In, in Major League Baseball, more than the NFL, more than the NBA. I think the confidence you have in yourself is a huge factor when you're standing in that batter's box and facing the best pitchers in the world. And he got to Milwaukee and already looked kind of lost. And and they knew that this was a guy who wasn't living up to his potential when he was playing in Baltimore, a guy who had made an all-star game the previous year and had some injuries, just wasn't playing wasn't playing up to the standard that that the Orioles and, and Scope had expected of himself. And so they thought, okay, well we'll we'll bring him here and, and we'll fix him. And not only did they not fix him, they went out and got Mike Mustakis which then moved Travis Shaw over to second base and cut into Scope's playing time. So this is a guy who has already lost, whose confidence was already shaken, and then after he's acquired by a National League team to make a playoff push, they thought so little of him after a week or two of doing that that they <laughs> so went out and got another guy to play that same position. Well, not to play the same position. Yeah, they but had like nine-third basemen on their team. That really. moved somebody into that position and cut into his playing time. I, I think... I think this is a guy who needs to to get his confidence back, however you go about that, and then you go from there in terms of the mechanics of a swing and, and fixing the baseball player. I think a lot of what went wrong with Jonathan Scope last year was upstairs and was a loss of confidence.
2: See, and that's where it's so hard to quantify a manager's value, but right. if you can just get guys out of their own heads, if right. you if you have ways to it's it's I mean I, I overstate it on these airwaves, but it's your job is really to create an environment for the For the team and for the individuals to get those guys to perform as close to their one hundredth percentile as possible, right. right? And, that's that's the job of Rockel. It's it, it sounds easy on paper. Oh, you just have to create a great environment and guys need to be happy and stuff. But that's super hard in practice, I would think.
1: And Scope struggles in Milwaukee were were so bad that they just they could have had him for another season. He had yeah. another year of arbitration eligibility on his contract, and and the thinking was when they traded him because they gave up some pretty good assets to get him. The thinking was, yeah, not only are we getting this guy for this playoff push, but now we have our second baseman for next year too and he and his performance was so bad that despite the assets that they gave up for him David Stearns, their general manager in a press conference essentially admitted that trade was a mistake and it was best to cut ties and go their separate ways oh god and and to your confidence point too golf
2: and baseball are two sports where you can't really you can't really force it to get your confidence back right, right. you can't okay if i'm a if i'm a running back i really just have to oh i'm just going to get the ball and react and run and right. use my physical ability right uh, but in golf, you're standing over a ball with potentially millions of people watching you live and on TV, and it's literally about clearing your head. And baseball is pretty similar. It's it's a lot like golf in mm-hmm. some ways. It's you versus that guy, and it's it's you trying to focus and figure out that chess match. What's he going to throw? Can I pick up the ball? And if you start to question yourself in those moments, the, the, the apples to apples might be J.J. Hardy. He was lost his last couple of years in Milwaukee. Yep. The Twins brought him over. He showed some flashes, and then eventually he goes to Baltimore and hits 30 home runs again. And if the Twins can find a way to unlock Jonathan Scope from 2017, that's a dude who got MVP votes, was an all-star, hit 32 home runs, and had an OPS of 841.
1: And I agree so with you, take you that, that Rocco Baldelli seems like the right type of guy for, for guys like Jonathan Scope. And and sort of having that, that type of relationship where guys – are comfortable guys know what their role is coming coming into a clubhouse on a day to day basis. I have high hopes for Rocco Baldelli as a manager yeah. at the major league level. Let's recklessly speculate Ooh, when
0: we
2: come back here. Cool. So if Bryce Harper and Manny Machado aren't going to sign, well, let's place them at the at the spots and with the teams that we think would be the most fun if we could just pull all the strings in Major League Baseball. It's okay, Mac, it's Mackey, it's Rami. It's touch them all. We'll get to Derek Wetmore later in the week from Fort Myers, Manny behind the glass here, and you can find all of our Twins audio content, live shows, podcasts, anywhere you find podcasts. You can just search Score North Twins, S-K-O-R North Twins, and right now that includes Touch Them All. It includes Five Thoughts on Fridays. Royce on Baseball sometime will be firing up, and we have a couple other tricks up our sleeves too here for the Twin season. So back with more on the all-new Score North on 1500.
0: Hinge, listen, Minnesota sports. ScoreNorth.com. Welcome
2: back to Touch Em All, and we plan on touching all of them. All of them. All of them. Whether they want to or not. Correct. Right. And we mean that in the most baseball sense possible. Of course. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's Rami Makhlouf. I'm Phil Mackey. we got Manny Hill in the house. Derek Wetmore, who ordinarily joins this fine show is in transit to Fort Myers, where he's going to be until sometime in March. Uh, Judd's going to go down for a while, so we're going to have extensive Twins coverage from Fort Myers, from the Twin Cities, in written form, audio form, social media, all of it on scorenorth.com. And because we're sitting here, and pitchers and catchers are reporting, and once again, top free agents are not signing, and it's a problem that will at some point have to be addressed on a big-picture level. But right now, let's throw away all of the things that we hate about the fact that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are still available to be signed as baseball season's about to start. And let's just play puppeteers here, okay? okay. Three of us. Okay. If we could place Manny Machado and Bryce Harper on teams that we think would be really fun, where would we place them? Let's start with you, Ron. Anywhere. You can literally... Well, I mean, within reason. Obviously, if... Uh, You know, Manny Machado's a third baseman. Right. But He wants to be a shortstop, which might be some of the hang-up here. Right. He's probably not going to play for the Rockies with Nolan Arenado at third. But you know what? If you want to find a way, put him at shortstop. Well, it's Trevor Story. So within reason, like be sort of realistic about this. And if you want to put him on a team with an already established shortstop third base situation, then tell us what the out would be. Like, okay, where's Nolan Arenado going?
1: Now... This isn't coming from the place where you might think it's coming, because I'm sitting here in my Cubs hat. All right. So it's let's, true. He let's a Cubs fan. Let's get that out of the way. I think from a pure entertainment standpoint, because for so long, what were the Cubs known as? What was like the moniker that went with the Cubs? Lovable, Lovable losers, losers, right? For sure. Well, in the last four years, they've and some of it has to do with the success that they've had on the field, but also some of it has to do with some of the off-the-field stuff that has transpired with the Chicago Cubs and the way that they've handled some of that off-the-field stuff, they've sort of become villains around Major League Baseball no. and a team that fan bases around the country love to hate. And Manny Machado and Bryce Harper both kind of, although I like them because I like that brash style of, of, of baseball player, they, they play the heel well to a lot of baseball fans. For me, and yes, part of it is I just think it would be really cool to see him being, in the middle of my a team. You're being a little selfish liners. right now, but I also think that to add to that that element of them being the villains, of them being that like the Cowboys were in the '90s, them being that team that fans around baseball love to hate, putting Bryce Harper or Manny Machado in the middle of that storyline, and and for that team to come into the season with the expectations that. They would have, if they added a guy like that, instantly adds probably 10 wins to most people's projections and makes them the clear-cut favorite in the National League. For that team to tour the country with those types of expectations and that type of heel in the middle of their lineup, I think adds a real entertainment factor to Major League Baseball. So to be clear, are you putting both of them on the Cubs? No, just just probably Bryce Harper. Okay. Eh. Either either one, I think would 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 accomplish what I'm going for in putting them in yeah. a Cubs uniform. It would be fun to see
2: to see some Bryce Harper bombs on Waveland Avenue, Appo, right, over absolutely to Sheffield. So right? I'm
1: going to say Harper with the Cubs. Okay, I'm going to put Harper in a Cubs uniform, and as far as how he fits into that, they have a lot of outfielders, but. First of all, he's Bryce Harper. You can find him. And he can usurp just about anybody in that outfield, and I wouldn't blink an eye. But also Joe Madden is known for, you know, moving guys around the field and playing them in multiple spots. So I think he'd find a way to get everybody there at bats and keep everybody as happy as they need to be. For Manny Machado. What's a good landing spot for Manny Machado?
2: I've got one. You've got one? You think on it. Okay and this is this is a little bit of a selfish on behalf of twins fans here, right? Okay? I'm not putting them in a twins uniform because that wouldn't be that would be really fun for twins fans, but it wouldn't be the most fun spot from a greater good standpoint. But I'm gonna go greater good of the American League Central because the Indians feel like they're at they're they're definitely on the downside of their run here, and the Indians are about to go into a rebuild at some point. And I think the twins are about to take over this division, okay? So with the Twins about to become a really good team once again with a good structure, a smart front office, and no bad contracts on the books, the Twins need a rival. The Twins need someone they can go toe-to-toe with that you can hate as a Twins fan once again, that you can despise and look forward to those games on your schedule, and that would be the Chicago White Sox. If Manny Machado signed with the Chicago White Sox, You'd have two viable teams in the American League Central to take over once the Indians come back down the hill. And you'd have the hateable figure on the team that you used to hate 10 years ago when Ozzie Guillaume was the manager and A.J. Pierzynski was trying to step on the heels of Justin Morneau. He was trying to step on the heels of everybody. Correct. It wasn't just
1: Justin Morneau. It would
2: be really fun. I would put Manny Machado in a White Sox
1: uniform to rekindle the rivalry between the Twins and the White Sox. I think they might be too good. If they signed Manny Machado, like you're talking about a rivalry. I think that once those guys come of age that they have coming up through their minor league ranks right now, it wouldn't even be much of a rivalry. They would just dominate this division for the next handful of years.
2: And I would put, just to be quick here, uh, Bryce Harper, I would put him on the Yankees so that I could hate the Yankees in full once again. And just out of curiosity to see a Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, middle of the lineup. Manny? see how many home runs could be hit. Where would you put
0: him? Uh, Bryce Harper, it's easy for me. Dodgers. Now, partially, I'm I'm speaking in, in a little bit of bias here because the Dodgers are kind of like my second team that I cheer for.
2: So I've kind of been heartbroken in the World Series the last two years. I love how Twins fans, like the Cubs are my second team. Twins fans <laughs> have had to find a second team. It's like, I don't know um,
0: but there's just something about Bryce Harper that just speaks Hollywood to me. Sure. And just
2: Dodgers. Like he's got that personality to where it just seems like outfielder for the superstar outfielder for the Dodgers just fits his personality and his skill set I think that'd be a great spot for him and uh Manny Machado Phil I was actually it's funny I was actually thinking White Sox with him during the break was for Manny Machado it would make, that the, would be the White Sox a perfect are perfect villain for the twins yeah the White Sox are a detestable franchise anyways so why <laughs> yeah. not put Manny yeah. Machado yeah
1: on that team, we've found common ground here. I hate for the White Sox. All right. Oh man, that's as good a note as that's as good a note as any to end. Uh, touch them all on. If you missed any of the show, check it out at scorenorth.com and find any of our Twins programming wherever you find podcasts. Just search Score North Twins. He's Phil Mackey. He's Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. I'm Robbie McLaugh. We'll talk to you next time.